Welcome to this episode of Clinically Pressed. We today are visiting with Dr. Guy of Organic Valley again. Uh, he has become our one and only but favorite veterinarian to talk to um, in terms of the knowledge that this guy has of the whole process. Uh, he's a great time to chat with. This week we specifically talk about A2 milk, which I personally had never heard of. Dr. Kyle had had some research on it and seen some different things, so he let in on this interview with that. Um, some really interesting stuff when it comes on to the genetics of things and what we can do to help people uh, with certain issues when dealing with lactose um, specifically. We also take a deep dive into kefir and we learned how to make it actually, which was really interesting as it was something that I used to just see on shelves and not actually have any clue what it did uh, other than it was kind of like expensive yogurt-ish type stuff. Uh, so that was really interesting. We have an insight on that out with a video. Please be sure to check that out. We'll get a link in the show notes in the description of this episode. So it should be pretty easy to find if that's something that interests you. From there, uh, we hope everybody had a good holiday week and getting back to it this week. Again, everything going on, all the shopping, we'd still highly recommend checking out Paragon Nutrition for all your supplement needs, especially when it comes to sleep. These guys got it figured out. More and more information's coming out about the nutrition before you sleep, and these guys have one of the top uh, supplements on the market with night gains. Again, if you check them out for 15% off, use promo code CP15 to get 15% off again at checkout. With that, enjoy this episode with Dr. Guy. Well, should we yeah, get everyone? Yeah, whenever you're ready. Okay. Well, we're back here at Organic Valley with Dr. Guy, round three. And uh, thank you for meeting with us again, taking the time. It's always been a, a pleasure and always a very educational experience on my on my end. So well, good morning and thank, yeah. you, thank you guys for coming down. Appreciate of course. it. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the, the main things we kind of wanted to talk to you about, and it's been more popular, we, we just mentioned maybe in the last six months in the news, uh, is the A2 versus A1 milk, and maybe people are familiar and have heard a little bit about it, maybe people are still out there that you know don't know anything about it, have never heard about it, but I think it's something that is going to become more popular maybe just uh, people are going to hear about it more in the news or media or for whatever reason so I uh, thought we'd kind of come down and talk to you about it and learn a little bit more straight from the source so well certainly and um, you know the A2 story is interesting it's been around for a while but it's really gotten new legs in the last year last six months like you said and and um, I think we, we need to go into that just in some detail, but uh, I thought maybe we could start the conversation a little br more broad uh, about dairy in general and then bring it back to A2 because that's certainly one of the factors that people are looking at. Uh, but you know, one of the things we're facing is uh, the decline of dairy as a food of, of favor uh, in, mm -hmm. in, in, in especially fluid milk. Uh, you know, cheese is very popular. Butter now has come back, and we yes, it has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about the fat story. You know, that, that I think the first time yeah, we met. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, all the good things that come with the with the good fat. And so, um, dairy in general is down, and what's really down is skim milk. Skim milk is is uh, actually uh, for our cooperative. It's it's actually a big issue because we could sell uh, more butter fat than what we have. Uh, okay. Because when you make butter, you pull the cream off of the milk, and then you're left with the skim, and that skim milk um, 
is just people have gotten the message about good fat and so people aren't as afraid of fat anymore so actually sales in the dairy case have moved to more to whole milk people have gone from skim to two percent that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of there's a lot of extra skim around and dairy in general has been on a decline for 50 or more years just you know the way the demographics, you know, I mean, 50, 60 years ago, a lot of people were from farms. They drank milk at yeah. home. Um, there were just a lot more farms out there. Uh, and now all the other beverages that have begotten, that have gotten popular, you know, and especially the plant-based drinks, you know, which are very popular, uh, the nut-based drinks and so forth. And and uh, I won't go into all that stuff too much, but I really would, would uh, just say that dairy fluid has been on a decline for quite a while. And so I really want to talk about that today. And um, personally, grew up as a milk drinker uh, on a farm with cows. And uh, you know, same here. I don't know when I quit college. Probably yeah. for me is when I just stopped because it wasn't as readily available. I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I had a couple of brothers, and you know, we were uh, good-sized people, and, and so we, you know, you're young, you, you drink. We drank a lot of milk, mm-hmm. and I think it really did did a lot of good for bone density and things like that you know so i think there is really something to that um as we age more though i think milk and that's you know people that are opposed to dairy in general you know for different reasons um you know some some people if you take it all the way to the extreme with the vegan position which is is based on not doing harm to animals uh that you wouldn't take advantage of cows and and do this and then other people yeah go ahead send you an article i just read maybe you sent i think i sent it yeah yeah it was this lady made a really sound, logical argument about like animals and like should you eat meat or should you not, and like what does that do? It was very well articulated that uh, you might find it interesting. Yeah, I'll have yeah. To link that up. We'll send it up uh, or have yeah. Kyle send it. Yeah, to it debunks a lot of the the um, arguments or, or kind of that the vegan side would have, and and if. I mean, it's, it's still okay to respect those, I think, that have that viewpoint if it's, yes. you know, religious or, or whatever yes. uh, perspective. But uh, the article just, it laid it out there, and it was very objective. And um, In terms of the misuse of animals right. and the mistreatment. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah, That right. was more right. of what she was gearing. And, of course, animal welfare is a huge, another issue. <laughs> yes, you know, absolutely. And I think our second visit to the pasture, you, yep. know, yes. say, you know, that, thing, that, that is kind of what you can look at. The way we view animal welfare as being good, good animal welfare. Mm-hmm. Um, Happy lines. But you know, along that argument with the what the animal products thing is that there is a lot of land in this country and around the world that's not uh, able to grow things that people can eat. It's right. not able to grow vegetables. It's not able to grow crops. And so, a lot of that land can be grazed. Yep. And so, if we have grazing animals, they can turn you know the the grass and the other plants into meat and milk. And so that's. You know, from a sustainability aspect, that really has a place. And yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, where were we? We were talking about dairy in general, um, uh, milk consumption, and uh, personally, you know, um, finally, I just came to the realization about milk. Some interesting thing about milk, um, just in the last couple of years, is that milk has a lot of sugar in it. A lot of natural sugar. Now it's not added sugar, and, and sugar we're kind of we've learned is really one of our major issues dietary wise, mm-hmm. one of our challenges because it's used a lot. We are people are hardwired to, right. to crave sugar because uh, you know over the, the long time of human history, most of the time food was short, yeah. and so there's a natural um, favor to finding fruit that's really sweet to finding nutrient dense and sweetness is often that that gauge that it's a good good thing to eat and so we have that hardwired in our pleasure systems that yeah. you know the sweetness is something um, but one of the interesting things a, a scandinavian study uh, just a big one of these big meta studies looking at population and, and what people ate and drink and, and health and the sort of things was looking at uh, milk consumption in particular and, and there's all these good things about the minerals uh, the protein um, but one of the things they cautioned on was older people and myself. Now I'm getting middle aged, you know. So and, and um, they shouldn't take in so much sugar, and the milk has a fair amount of sugar in it. And so I think that's one of the things I want to come around to this to kefir, okay. because that's one of the answers. Is is you know yogurt and kefir, you ferment the sugar out of it, uh, and so you still have this good dairy product, you know. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to the A2 story and that whole thing. Um, 
one more thing before we go into A2 in particular. I think we should talk about dairy intolerance. You know, that people have trouble with dairy as a class of, you know, food as yeah. digestion-wise, uh, just not feeling good afterwards. And that is uh, partly uh, very natural in most of the world because uh, as mammals, as people are, all mammals can digest milk when they're infants or when they're young. And then this enzyme that there's a, this, this sugar that has two parts, it's called um, lactose, and the lactose is a glucose and a galactose joined together. That lactose, uh, there's an enzyme called lactase, and lactase breaks that bond to make that sugar digestible. And in, in people or other animals, as they mature, the lactase enzyme shuts off. Uh, you know, as you get a little older, and so then you don't digest that milk, and so now you got this sugar that doesn't goes through the stomach, the intestines, and it gets further down in the intestine, and it's not digested. So when it gets to the large intestine, colon, whatever, then you've got a lot of bacteria that climb onto it and take it over, and then you get this fermentation going on in the colon. That's not a good thing because you get gas, you get pain, you get all the, you know, you get uh, you know changes in the in the consistency, all that stuff, you know. So it's not very uh, pleasant, and so people that are milk intolerant, dairy intolerant, uh, really do have issues. Now, a lot of people that are dairy intolerant can still eat cheese, they can still eat yogurt, and that would be mainly because uh, the lactose has been reduced, okay? But there are other people that still can't take cheese or other things because milk is a very complex substance, mm -hmm. okay? And so I'm gonna look at my notes here. Um, you know, milk is, is about 87% uh, water and 13% solids. Now that solids um, is uh, almost 5% sugar of that 13 okay and then uh i just the way the easy way to remember for me is five uh, four three one i think that adds up um five four nine twelve yep yeah yeah so and and basically there's five percent sugar there's four percent fat and, and this is whole milk from right. from the cow mm -hmm. uh three percent protein now actually the protein's a little bit higher the fat's a little lower but just four and three just easier to remember yeah, for simplicity and then, and then about one percent minerals so it's actually about 1.4 percent but okay. so you know that that's an easy way to remember this and so i think um you know the complexity of milk is because it is it's got the protein and all these different fats in it too but the protein is probably something that can set off the immune system so proteins in general you you, you can there you know if they're foreign proteins coming to the body now the gut is always seeing a lot of foreign protein that's what it's all about mm -hmm. is it's you know the, the digestive system is really a tube that some people say, you know, it's really outside of the body because it enters at the mouth, it goes all the way through and comes out the back end, yep. and it's just a tube. It doesn't really connect directly with the body, which yep. is very much true. Um, when you think about yeah, that, yeah, you're not, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's like a tube. You can just just to stretch it all out and make it a straight pipe. You know, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> um, the, you know, schematically, you right, know, right, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, and, but then you've got this interchange going on with digestion where things are going uh, across that, and that's when, when people get into this uh, leaky bowel syndrome yep. or chronic inflammation of the gut, yep. then the gut isn't working like it should be. Things are getting absorbed that shouldn't be getting absorbed, so now things get into the system and it's not good. So, uh, But there's this. Well, the point I wanted to make was that the there's this opportunity for the immune system to react uh, at the level of the gut when it sees things that it's not used to seeing. And so in some people, the proteins themselves can be cause a reaction. So some people, you know, that aren't lactose intolerant can still be dairy intolerant because of all the proteins there, okay? And this is where the A2 comes in. So proteins are, are put into a lot of different groups and one of the biggest, the most uh, abundant proteins is something called casein. And casein comes in different uh, classes, different types. And there's one called beta casein. The beta casein, that protein comes in two forms. It comes in an A1 and an A2 form. It's thought that the, the A2 form was the original uh, form and there was a mutation that happened somewhere back a few thousand years ago in cattle to make the A1 gene. So now you got this, uh, this casein, this beta casein is available in two forms. A1 and A2. Because of genetics and we carry two genes, one of uh, two copies, one from each parent, uh, cattle can be mixed in, in three different combinations for A1, A2. They can be 
all A2, which we originally all were A2, mm -hmm. they can carry one A1 and one A2 gene, or they can carry both A1 genes. Now, the both A1 situation is less common. Uh, the mixed A1, A2 is 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 more is fairly common today. Uh, but if we look at it, it's the A1 is kind of associated with the cattle that were selected for high milk production. So the Holstein breed, the cows that make a lot of milk over time. And this was not intentional. We didn't even know about this gene when, when this was all this selection was going on. Right. But if we look back at what we have now, we see that breeds like the colored breeds like the Jersey and the Guernsey, you know, the breeds that came uh, from the Channel Islands in, in, in England, uh, they were selected for um, more for high butter fat, high protein, not heavy milk production, smaller cows, you know, more at the grazing. They tended to have more A2. Now there are A1 mixed up in all the breeds. It's not a pure, a pure breed thing, okay, but I just wanted to lay out that cows can come in all these different forms sure yeah yep yeah so when you have a cow with a1 and a2 is there a, a dominant gene between the two or it's just kind of a mix and she's going to make in theory she's going to make 50 percent a1 and 50 percent a2 beta casein so okay. her milk is going to be a mixture sure yeah okay yeah so milk on the store shelf is generally a mixture of <clears throat> a1 and a2 and so the proportion would vary with the cows, and it's not documented what that proportion is just on the store shelf at this point. But just it's it's safe to say that there's a fair amount of A1 in the in the milk supply. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So is one like dominant or recessive? If that no, if that one was no, they're, like they're, they are not dominant over. It's just it's just if if you know. So it's just a proportion. It's so just it's the like, regular Mendelian genetics. Just yeah, the so just like a one a two one with a double a two. You're going to still have some mix of that a one. Like if they yep. had a baby cow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So if you wanted to stay you pure A2, you have uh -huh. to have both parents would have to be, they both genes would have to be A2, 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 crossed by A2, A2. You know, mm -hmm. if you cross by an A2, A2 with an A1, A2, you know, half of them are going to be A2, A2, and half are going to be A1, A2. A2. Sure. It's that, it's that straight genetics, you know. Huh. Okay. And, and, so and really they, there's no way to kind of phase it out even. Well, there is because we can collect cattle that are all A2. Right. True. Yeah. And so that's where we're at right now mm -hmm. is uh, all the cattle breeds, um, are uh, because of this demand um, and farmers have really latched onto this they you know um, Dr. Paul Detloff who's a, one of the vets that you know, kind of a pioneer organic dairy vet he really pushed us you know five six years ago he was already talking because he was excited about A2 mm -hmm. um, and so he was saying and, and a lot of the farmers uh, jumped on it and started breeding uh, selecting with just bulls that are just A2 A2 and so over time there there are herds out there that are predominantly A2 Huh. Um, at, at this point, we don't make a segregation and separate that milk out and sell it separately. That market, from our standpoint, has, hasn't, uh, it's just too much of another thing to separate one more time with the milk. Sure, um, yeah, you, know, sure. you know, organic is already hard to process yeah. and, and schedule. <laughs> and then we went to this grass milk, which is a second level of, of uh, you know, separation. And, and that sure. one, that, that's even harder than organic to do. To do A2 on top of that, it, it, it may come. It right. may come. Uh, so where it's at commercially at this time is there is a company, uh, it started off as the A2 uh, Corporation in New Zealand um, 10 or so years ago, and they were the ones that were pushing this uh, quite a bit. Um, and they were re met resistance for a while, but there's been a demand for the, for the product. And so now it's, it's actually here in the United States. They mm -hmm. to, uh, they renamed the company. Um, it used to be uh, A2 Corporation with a capital A, and now it's an A2 milk company with a small A. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they have stockholders, and uh, there's people that, you know, they actually made a profit a couple of years, and so there's people speculating. And so there's all kinds of things going on on that side of it. Isn't there always? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And actually, that's one of the cautions I had about going too heavily into the A2 early on was that it was it was such a tied so tightly to this A2 corporation sure that it really mm. is somebody with a vested interest was pushing this agenda right and that's my understanding with the limit there's very limited research from what I could find uh, with the A2 versus A1 and the benefits and from what I've seen most of the research is coming from the the A2 company you know that's that's funding that so obviously there's a 
they've got a vested interest a little bit. Yes, it's true. But here's the thing. It does look like there's something there. Okay, and so uh, there have been more studies, and, and you're right, and we need, we actually still need more studies. We need um, more, not just funded by the A2 Corporation, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and we need some studies in this country. But there's been a f- uh, some recent, fairly recent studies in China, and I want to leave you with this paper today that is a 2016 paper from uh, Shanghai, China, at the medical school there, uh, and they looked very... Uh, detailed at 45 it was only 45 people so basically they what they did is they put an ad out uh, we need people that can't drink milk well in China 80% 90% of the people can't drink milk because they're lactose intolerant so it wasn't hard to find people that that were you know dairy intolerant and uh, then they did some other you know criteria whatever they ended up with 45 people pretty even break between male and female. Um, but what they found is by they used several different forms of milk and, and, and they looked at uh, the, the um, scoring, the, the digestion and the, and the response of these people, discomfort or whatever. Um, and they switched them back and forth. You know, they switched the groups back and forth, and they they they, they varied them with lactose, uh, lactose free, which, which you know the lactose, of course, is a big thing, but also there was people in there who were not lactose intolerant that were intolerant to milk. So it's like we talked about earlier; you can still have problems with milk even if it's not the sugar. Uh, and so they did find that there was um, an indication that some of those people, the A2 didn't bother them, where the A1 did bother them. And so there was, there is some indication out there that A2, A1 itself. Now, anecdotally, uh, we get this from our farmers quite often where one or two people in their family can't drink their, their organic uh, milk at home. Um, and then they, they know they've done some testing. You, you can test these cows to see which ones are A1, A2. And they will take milk from an A2 cow and, and give it to that person. And that person does well on the A2 milk, the straight A2, whereas the, in the mixed A1, A2 milk, they always have trouble with. So it looks like there are some people that are sensitive to A1. Now, is it a general thing in the whole population? Probably not. The question is, <clears throat> what is that proportion of right. people in the population? And we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. It just needs to be more more studies done. Yeah, and the other thing, I, you know, I say, if you don't, don't want to wait for the studies, the A2 milk is on the shelf. If you have trouble with dairy now and yep. you want to try it and it works for you, you know, why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? Give it a shot. That's um, some of the stuff that I've seen is that's kind of the best way to determine for for people like obviously without going and getting tested or whatever like just trial and error like see how you respond to this and you know control your variables but add maybe one thing in at a time and then you'll know in a hurry well maybe you can't you know drink regular milk off the shelf but maybe you can handle like an aged cheese or you know the yogurt or the the kefir or you know some of those other things so I think that's a yeah the, the elimination of diet type approach where you where you eliminate things right. and then add them back in one at a time that's sure. that's a real a real good way and so if a person had an issue with dairy and the a2 i'd welcome them to try it you know and and as time goes on as we learn you know how much of the population this is um you know we may very well jump into this market our farmers are ahead of us a, a bit um in that they some of them have been breeding for this for quite a while hmm. now another issue with the a2 milk is how do you know it's really a2 um who's going to verify that yeah i mean but can you do it like after it's you, been produced is there yeah a so that's a question and and the milk testing uh, apparently there is a test that can differentiate the a1 a2 okay um i can't find much about it in literature searches and stuff i just don't find much about it and we have had um, some experience with trying to get some milk tested and it didn't work out. And so uh, if the testing is there, it's fairly new, um, I'd like to know more about it. And the thing about it, just because of human nature, mistakes happen. Sure. So even if somebody is intentionally trying to do all A2 milk, 
Um, you know, numbers get mixed up on identifications of animals. Um, you know, these animals, they have to be tested to, to prove, um, basically, they take a, a piece of hair to get a hair follicle and get some cells out of the uh, from the cow and they send it to a lab and they test the DNA to see if they're A1, A2, or A2, A2, or A1, A1. Right. And so there is a test and, you, and some farmers have gone to the, to the point of testing every one of their cows. Wow. Um, but mistakes get made. Right. You know, I mean, it, 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 and then who is going to police this on the other end? If, if you know, I'm buying uh, A2 milk from a farmer, who's checking to see that it really is all A2? Right. Yeah. yeah, that's tough. So, yeah. Is that testing expensive? The, uh, the, the <clears throat> testing for the individual cows is, is, well, it depends what you call expensive. It, I think they've gotten it down to like 10 or $12, you know, which it used to be more like 25 I feel like it's doing like the twenty three and me thing the way that that's yep. all coming. Oh out. yeah, for, for yeah. So, it, but Although you know, all but a farmer would have to do it on every cow, right? right. Yeah, yeah. That adds up if you yeah. got a yeah, yeah. And my understanding too, right now within the U.S. or say these farmers are producing for Organic Valley or wherever their milk goes. Um, I mean, it's getting mixed in most of the time with milk from other farms that maybe aren't. All A2. So then, what would be the benefit for these farmers oh, to right. do solely A2 at this point? Yeah. So you're talking about the current situation right Correct. now, and that, and that and that's true. In that um, people are banking on there being a market for it at some so point. So planning for it. And so that's what the, the, okay. they're they're trying to preempt it, and that's you know their bets. Yeah. 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 Be ready. And um, so from a from a marketing standpoint, it's always about getting in first. You know? Yeah. <laughs> And so A2 Corporation is here now. They're selling in the United States. I'm not sure of the sourcing of that milk, where, what the, where the farms are, if they're right. all in the United, you know, I, I can't imagine they're bringing that milk all the way from New Zealand. You wouldn't think yeah. that would go well. No. Um, so yeah, there must be farms that are A2 farms. Um, but again, I would say, is it really 100% A2? And then if it's not, you know, maybe there's a certain tolerance level a person can take 1% or 5% or 10% A1. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, there's so many questions we don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I've seen some of this. I, I think I saw that study that you um, mm -hmm. had. I saw some other studies that were um, more animal studies, not human studies, that it's like, well, that needs to be uh, translated into a human study uh, there were a, there was one I think for uh, demonstrating uh, increased diabetes and cancer and I don't think that those were um, done well and that that the the link could be drawn for for an yeah so that's a one that's the real controversy that original book by Keith Woodford and it was it's called the devil in milk so we'll talk about mm. an inflammatory psych, uh, uh, <laughs> title um, and so, yeah. and, and <laughs> dr. Woodford is it you know his his whole thesis was that yes it does cause chronic inflammation and it and it's associated with these chronic inflammatory conditions that you just mentioned diabetes cancer uh, heart disease all these sort of things uh, in um, dementia all these things um, and so um, that book took data, um, epidemiologic data for whole countries, um, compared New Zealand to Europe or what, whatever. Um, and what it showed was uh, that um, there was less of this stuff, less of these, uh, con these disease conditions associated with, with where, where the people were drinking more A2 milk. Well, there's a lot of other factors that are different between a, a whole population of a country. A lot another. of factors, yeah. yeah. And that right. You can't point are that super strong on the evidence chain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that whole thing was seems like a stretch. But I will say that you know this study here, what we're talking about in China, uh, it definitely shows that there are people that are sensitive to A1. The other thing that they're really concerned about is there's a metabolite of, of A1 milk. So when, when it breaks down, when the protein breaks it down, there's this um, what's called BCM7, beta casomorphin 7. And that is an, uh, an opiate class of, uh, yeah. And so um, uh, that was the big question. And, and this BCM7 does seem to be pro-inflammatory and so that's what some of the animal studies show the guts get more reactive and stuff because of the bcm7 yeah. um you know and there are some people that made a big deal out of that that oh my god there's morphine in the milk you know because it's it's in the opiate class well no wonder everybody likes the thing it. is 
our brains uh, have a lot of endogenous opiates. Right. It's it's you know these are chemicals that are in our brain. This is you know the runner's high. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's probably a lot of times when you when you feel really good after some sort of exertion or whatever. It's 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 opiates in the system. So it's not like these are totally foreign compounds to the body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, you know, it, it bears watching. I think stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't jump too hard and fast. I, I'm personally not on the bandwagon for it, but I do really think that there are people that are sensitive day one. Sounds Our like, farmers have said like a follow that. Up. Yeah. yeah. It would be interesting, too, because I've seen some, uh, some people talk about, like, with gluten sensitivity and pose the argument if they can kind of heal their gut to become, and, and this isn't like, you know celiac like this is just more sensitivity but if they could heal their gut and eventually be able to consume gluten without having that sensitivity uh, I wonder if that would be the case for for this a1 too like maybe they've kind of got you know some altered gut microbiota or something where if they could heal their gut because obviously some people don't have an issue with it so I don't know it's a great question it's a great question and and you know um, there still are miracle cures out there. You know, people that get better that really shouldn't get better and things like that. And I think in the human in particular, it's really difficult um, to, to, to know and understand the total um, mind-body connection and how, oh, that plays, sure. how that plays out. And especially with digestion. Do you know that um, the, the second most concentrated uh, number of neurons, and I can't remember the number right now, right now, but there's there's like a TED talk about this. Mm-hmm. It's in your gut. Mm. There's actually it's like its own. Ner- it's, it's like, like a brain. Own, it's like yeah, a brain in exactly, itself. So yeah. it's like it's like uh, when you talk about you, you know you feel it in your gut or whatever. You know yeah. you, you know the, you're not wrong. Right? You, there, you, there's something there. Right. And, and so there's there's some thought that you know over time um, as people well one of the things that made people successful is they could eat all kinds of stuff. You know people around mm-hmm. the world. Uh, before we got all this modern industrial food, mm-hmm. ate diets that were totally different and prospered. In in you know, like think of the Inuit up in the Arctic, you know, living mostly on fat. Right. And, uh, and you know, and people in, in uh, you know in more tropical living on roots and things like that. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the human can can exist on a lot of different things. You know, and I, I just wonder sometimes too about this this mind body connection and and especially in digestive issues. Um, how much a role that plays, even sure. in, in you know the the feedback loops. Once you've got inflammation in the gut, you don't feel right, and you know you get more anxious, and so you're putting out stress hormones naturally. Don't you know your body could could feed back in a in a bad way? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mark David, I don't know, he's got a book, uh, Nourishing Wisdom, I believe. It's a really good book, and he talks about that. And I know that uh, he's got a, a good website, basically, kind of like on the psychology of eating, but it. He talks a lot about that. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's complex. You know? Yeah, it's it really complex. Is. Yeah, cool. yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things we've really learned about, and let's kind of shift now to the get to the kefir story a little, um, is that probiotics have really come on as far as yep. uh, being popular and actually being therapeutic and having some science behind them and so forth. Um, and so this idea, I think really um, part of the issue is that we need to rethink of what we are as, as people. Um, and and the, the whole thing that we are an individual uh, existing by itself uh, is really pretty false because we are a huge superpopulation of of all kinds of things, bacterial mm-hmm. uh, and other types of organisms uh, in us and on us. And actually the number of bacterial cells actually outnumbers us five to 10 times what, yeah. our, what our human cells are. And That's so- That's unreal. That's yeah, so cool. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is. Awesome. It is. I mean, so what are we really? And, and to me, it goes back to just talking about the basics of, oh, just nature and biology um, and our outlook on things. And we, you know, we, most of us were, grew up in the uh, Darwin School of the survival of the fittest <laughs> and that there's this great battle going on uh, in nature between all the different species uh, and the ones that are best uh, the, that prevail will be the ones that are going to be successful and keep breeding and I think what we're learning now a big paradigm shift is that it's not just the the best fighters 
uh, and it's really the cooperators mm-hmm. that that do well. You know? that. And so I think that's where uh, this whole thing with the probiotics and stuff, we're just getting on the, on the surface of that. I, I remember when I was in practice and you know, conventional practice when I diarrhea in calves uh, was what was a big problem. Um, so the, the calves, you know, <clears throat> that's another argument against dairy is you take these calves away from their mother. And so, they, they, you know, they, they start feeding them. In organic, we feed them whole milk, but uh, they fit a lot of milk replacer in the conventional world. And so uh, the calves, after a few weeks of age, would start to have loose manure. They'd have scours. And one of the thoughts was that there's bad bacteria involved, E. coli and things like that. And so the when I came out of vet school uh, in the late 1980s, the, the thought was you give them a tetracycline or uh, you give them a broad spectrum antibiotic to take care of the bad bacteria. And it was real variable in the responses, whether it worked or not. And then right about that time, uh, this the company came out with a, a probiotic and it was a lactobacillus uh, powder in a, in, in a, in a little uh, container. And we started using that on the calves, uh, and we just had really good response with them recovering from diarrhea, digestive upsets. And so we started using it instead of antibiotics. Uh, you know, the guys that used to have problem raising their calves, they would ask, used, when I first started, they would ask for a bottle of sulfa trimethoprim or a, a bottle of tetracycline or neomyosin. Mm-hmm. They'd ask for antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And after they said, no, try this this powder try this probiotic and and you can even put it in the milk as a preventative just right. just mm. scoop it in a little bit of and and the guys had such great success with that and they just then they just really shut off the 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 sale of antibiotics for diarrhea uh, which really was counterproductive i mean cuz it's all about the making the good guys flourish and yeah. then the bad guys don't have a space mm-hmm. yeah so that's I, cool yeah. <laughs> I self-treated on my second trip over to India because the first trip, I think the spices and everything got to me. Oh, yeah. I wasn't sick, but my body didn't know what to do about it, so I preemptively bought, like, three different versions. Okay. Three different brands of probiotics. And okay. Took it, like, the week going. Not No. Okay. Took it, like, the week leading up, and then yep. while I was there and could handle things so much better. Nice. Yep. And didn't have. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure it made for a much more pleasant trip. It was a little yeah. bit more of a pleasant trip. <laughs> some weird, some different spices that you don't, I don't eat here. Yeah. I yeah. That, so. Yeah. So. Um, I'm the of it. You know, I think people are. You know, yogurt is very popular, and I think a lot of people know what yogurt is. They've they've had yogurt a lot. It's, people eat yogurt, and one of the great things in yogurt is lactobacillus. You know that that bacteria. There's other streptococcus bacteria that are beneficial, and there's certain, you know, uh, things. So yogurt has been around for a while, but. Um, Kefir was something I had heard just people talking about, and it just seemed like a weird word. I didn't know um, what what they were talking about. And mm-hmm. it's funny because you go online and you type the word as K-E-F-I-R, uh, and and the pronunciation that's in the in the computer says kefir, and nobody I know says kefir. I've heard it called that, but uh, yeah, I think, I think that was the original. Is it? Because yeah. it's like from Eastern, Far Eastern Europe, Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Turkey. Okay. Uh, and, and so I think kefir probably was the correct, but I think um, at least Americans saw everybody saying kefir. And I there say, you go. Say kefir. You're just Americanized. <laughs> <laughs> it never happens. <laughs> but, anyways, the, the thought with the, the way this developed, the, the, kef, the kefir or kefir, it was, um, uh, well, just throughout history, um, part of the reason that we have such a dairy uh, people is because people of Northern Europe learned to you know, the domesticated cows and moved them to Northern Europe. And so, where it gets cold in the winter, and there's not as much food. If you had cheese and butter and milk, you could you could survive better. And that's why in human history, the lactase gene developed multiple times. Uh, it, you can scientifically track that, you know. And it, it really had to do with a lot with Germany and Scandinavia and all the all the. Northern European countries flourishing is that the dairy uh, was was a really good part of the diet when things weren't growing because it's long winter. You know, look how dark it was this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. like you know you get this time period where things just don't grow. Um, so, kefir. Um, the the story I heard was that a, they people would carry um, oh these bladders. You know, actually animal bladders it would be like a canteen. And on their horse, they would carry a bladder of milk. And um, the thought was that these these organisms got in the milk and just riding around, agitating at whatever the temperature was, this, this fermented product developed. And people said, hey, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and 
The thing they learned, though, is that, and this is the hard part about kefir, but it, it is the kefir grain. And the kefir grain is the seed. It's the colony that you use to start making kefir, okay? And so, um, unlike uh, yogurt, which is like a, a, a starter culture, which would be a liquid, or, or maybe maybe they dry it and have a powder too available, but uh, this, you have to get a grain from somebody. And it's the coolest, this, to me, it's the coolest thing about kefir is that it's not, it's not so much commercially, uh, there is a, a kefir on the shelf in the stores, and, yeah. and that, you know, I'm not sure how strong that kefir is or what the culture is, but you won't find grains in there. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. And so you got to get grains from somebody, one of your one of your friends or whatever, and that's and that's the neat thing is people just pass it around and you and you propagate these grains, and it, it all happens at room temperature. So that's the other cool thing. You know, we've got this jar sitting here on the table, and you can just leave this stuff out, and it loves room temperature. And so it just, you don't have, like yogurt has to be right around body temperature. It has to be 98 or 100. So you really have to keep it in a warmer spot, mm. you know. And so um, all you need to do is get some milk, whatever kind of milk you like, and ferment it. Now, I do use organic milk. Um, some people say, oh, you got to use raw milk. I don't use raw milk. I've used pasteurized milk for a long time, and I don't have a problem. I mean, our farmers do the raw milk with their calves, and it works quite well. Um, but, you know, the ar- argument that well you've killed the the bugs you're putting the kefir grain in there so you're putting the bugs back in so I don't I don't worry about pasteurization being an issue sure well, with the milk okay I think I prefer organic because um, there is a small amount of antibiotics in in conventional milk um, and we know that because of the, the the there is a, a tolerance level that's allowed and so in here I've got some kefir grains I'm gonna put them into put them out so we can see them a little better. Now these guys, this is the other cool thing. These guys have been asleep for quite a while. Um, I dug these out of a jar um, that was sitting in my fridge for, I would guess, six to eight weeks. And you would think that that would be pretty rotten milk after six to eight (laughs) weeks. And um, it's interesting because uh, a month is no problem. When this stuff is fermented, it gets a low pH, it gets very stable. Now this is fresh milk in this little jar that I've got here, but th- these are the grains. Just, just want to give you an idea. So what you created these grains yourself by just letting it sit then? Basically you put it in the milk like that and they grow. Um, so and you had to put the grain in the milk originally? Yes, Okay. yes, yes, yes. yes. So so this one here is one that's, that's I, I'm hoping that it's done. It's pretty close. You know, you, there, how far you let it ferment is kind of a personal thing. and. Um, you can see this one is getting a little, see how it's getting a little creamier and thicker oh, yeah. on the top, okay? This is the other cool thing about um, kefir is that, you, you know, some people talk about homogenized milk, not liking homogenization. The kefir, I don't know if you could really use this word, but it, it kind of unhomogenizes it. It actually brings the fat back to the top uh, really? through its processing. I don't know how it does it, but you actually will get a fat layer. Um, of course, depending on how, what kind of milk you ferment. My wife likes to drink lower fat milk, and so I don't think it ferments as well, but you can make kefir with skim milk even. Um, mm-hmm. But I like the whole milk for this process. And so um, what I do is look for the milk to start to thicken after a while. And this is like getting thick now. And um, and what it'll actually do when it sits in the jar, if you look at the jar, if you let it sit long enough, it actually looks like it starts to get cracks in it. Now this, I don't see the cracks here because I just stirred it up. Mm-hmm. But when you see that, to me, that's when it's perfect. If you let it keep going, what it'll do is it'll keep fermenting and the pH will go lower and all the protein will precipitate out. So it'll be like cottage cheese, it'll be like curds and whey. And mm-hmm. then you'll get a water layer, okay? okay? You'll get a water layer. So I've got another one in here in the cooler I'm gonna grab. So how long does it usually take for you to leave it out? I mean, is that like a week? Yeah, it depends, it depends on how much of this you got, how much grain you have. Okay. So when the grains are proportioned the way I like them, you can usually get this to ferment overnight, um, you know, in uh, 8 to 12 hours. You can get oh, it wow. to ferment. Uh, and what happens, um, now this one, hear that? Yeah. Okay. They make CO2. That's what's happening the sugar. It makes CO2. Now, this... I didn't write the date on here, but I usually write the date. This is at least six weeks, maybe eight weeks old. This one oh, here, wow. and so it, it. And I, what I do is I, I if, if you it's worry about whether it's bad or not, you just smell it, and it, it, it's a, it it's good. It's yeah. sour. Yeah. But it's really not putrid. It doesn't okay? smell. Okay. Yeah. And we, it, what happens, you know, if fats go rancid, you get that little putrid smell. Then I get rid of it. Um, but 
I can use the same jar on the counter for seven to ten days without even cleaning the jar out by just fermenting it, pouring it out, putting new grains and putting new milk in. Um, then what, it, what that fat will start to get around there and it will start to, to go sour. The fat will start to get a little rancid. You could smell that. You just sniff it and you smell it. Then I start with a new jar. Just start over again. Mm -hmm. You know, um, But it's very low maintenance that way. This you can see is kind of watery. Um, it usually separates out, and I think there's just so much curd in here in this one that um, it hasn't. It, you get a water layer. Usually, you get a water layer. You can actually see the whey layer. Um, so you just stir that up then, or shake. This one is, it, you know, what I did. Like I took it. I had a jar, another jar like this, then where I got these guys yesterday. And what happened is they were actually. I took them out and rinsed them. And so when you rinse them off and they're like this. You, they're pretty stable. You can. This is how you can transport them. And so what I'll do is I'll take these kernels, like this grains, like this. I'll put them in a little sandwich bag, and I'll actually put them in my luggage. And for a day or two, they're stable. Um, you know, as long don't leave a lot of milk on them. They, they, I would rinse. There's a little milk in here now. Mm -hmm. I would rinse that off, and you can take that in travel. And I've taken it when I travel, and I just take my cup, my coffee cup, and instead of putting coffee in, I put kefir grains in the bottom, go down to breakfast in the morning, put milk in it thing. <laughs> Never put this in the refrigerator. Just sure. leave it out. And actually, if there's enough stock culture in it, I just drink right out of there and refill it the next day. And not even, I mean, hmm. until until you that have a, a bad smell or anything, you, you, you don't even have to clean the thing out. It's amazing. Um, that may be gross to some people, but uh, it's just... It's it's really it's kind of a fun thing. So, um, yeah, these grains they kind of vary too in their in their size. And what when it makes I think when it makes the most grain is when it goes past. Uh, so if you keep changing them quickly, they don't grow as much. It's almost like when these guys are stressed, they start to make more. You see how they're mm. they're they're like uh, kind of bumpy. Yeah. And so they'll make they'll make like. See, like this one here, it's got all these arms and stuff on it. Well, they'll, those pieces will break off, and they'll make another curd like this. Sure. Sometimes these curds will get the size of a golf ball. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you eat these then as yes, well? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there's no no problem with that. They're actually they're actually quite good. It's like, awesome. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. They're, uh, and this is the issue is that um, when farmers, we get we stay, they want to uh, do this kefir as a, as a supplement or feed their calves totally kefir. And it really helps their calf health. And um, they'll get these curds, and they'll start making the kefir, and then they go away, and somebody feeds their calves, and they forget to separate the grains. And so they dump the kefir in the bucket, the calves drink it, and they eat all the curd. Then <laughs> they're done because they yeah. don't have they don't have the grains to go back to. <laughs> so you got to sieve them out. You know, you basically you take a sieve of some kind um, and sieve them out mm -hmm. and start them over again. You know. Um, and when you look at the price tag of the kefir in the stores, this is uh, very appealing to make your own too, because it's not cheap. I mean, in comparison to if you just get some milk and yeah, do this yourself. Yeah. yeah. So actually, um, I've got kefir for both you guys. Wow. Just, so this is these 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 kefir bottles are are I think they're fermented just right, so they're ready to drink. Awesome. Um, and there's like four of these kernels in each one of those. Oh, uh, there. Uh, so you can start. You can start. You can just take that <laughs> home and start it up again. But I have some here that that uh, this is what I drank this morning. And, um, I just thought we'd just have a little. Awesome. Uh, Thank you. This is cool. Yeah. I have to rewatch this video to make sure I don't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so with this, then you said the um, the lactose is fermented yes is that correct so yes is it entirely out of the kefir or it's just a, a it's pretty much it's very low i don't know what the number is um and so it really depends how far you let it go got it you know um i think you can ferment it all out because i think there's no lactose in this one wow that's very sour if you taste it i mean i i, I took some of that old stuff yesterday and just tasted it it's just and i didn't really drink a lot of it but it's very very sour at that point but this is cool. uh, yeah yeah so cheers <laughs> <laughs> now it might be an acquired taste for some people because it is sour mm -hmm. it's not overly sour i like it what i like is the creaminess of yeah. it you know anyway and, and that's what i watch to get to the point where it thickens because it'll ferment for a while and it won't get thick it won't get thick and you stir it up a little bit and you see that it's getting thicker when it gets to that thick part or when you see that the, it's actually starting to separate a little starts to crack a little in the jar then i put it in the refrigerator and shut it down okay okay because if you, if you just leave it on the counter it'll go all the way to the, it'll go to the way okay the curtain if, if you put it in the 
refrigerator and shut it down, can you still pull the the grains out later and the, you can these you ones, them out? These ones came out. They were these ones have been in in a bottle like this for like two months. Hmm. You know, and so I just start when they when they get like that, you really want to rinse all the old stuff off. I rinsed them like three or four times yesterday. I put them in some milk yesterday and let them sit on the counter. And I put them in milk on the way down here. This this little bit of milk here, and it takes them a couple days to wake up. But you can take these old grains and restart them again. I generally don't keep them that long. I just just keep the fresh ones going. And then you have to gauge by if you you know you size your container. What do you want to ferment? How much milk do you want to go through? Mm-hmm. You know you could do little jars. You could do you know you could do pints. You could do quarts. I got a friend that does half gallons. Um, so much you're consuming. And then stuff. you just gauge how much you, how much uh, depending if it's warmer outside it'll go faster. You know um, how much grain you get in there, and the grains will build up over time. So you'll have to pull some out; otherwise, sure. it'll ferment faster and faster. Give them to a friend. There you go. Exactly. exactly. This is is good. I think it's a little bit more like the stuff in the store. I feel like is less carbonated. Like this almost has like that kind of almost sparkling. If taste you to let it a this bit. warm up now, if, and I I I, did, I cooled this. I put the scar in the cooler on the way down. Otherwise, I should have left it out this morning. I should have had it out longer. If you let it warm up and it starts to ferment better, it actually can get to the point where it's actually a little more fizzy. Really? I really like that. Yeah. To me, that my struggle is uh, not getting too much of this stuff because I, I, you know, from, you know I, I, there's a lot to drink, you know? Right. And so <laughs> I'm always shutting it down by putting it in the fridge. Okay. You know, there are other people that have big families that leave it on the counter and they just, they never let it get cold. Mm-hmm. And it'll ferment faster, it'll be more carbonated yet. Wow. I mean, and if you seal the top and it'll it'll actually you'll, you and sometimes it'll just be like fizzy when you're drinking it wow yeah the other thing you can do and this is what my wife likes is you take this stuff that you like that's about like your jars are right here and you pull the grains out and then you just take and add some fruit to it if you don't like the sourness you know we add a little just a teaspoon of jam or some berries or you know some maple syrup um, and then you put it back in the fridge and let it ferment at refrigerator temperature very slowly, just whatever's the bugs that are in loose, they don't have the grains in. And then that secondary ferment uh, kefir, that's a very popular, I mean, it's very tasty. Then you wow. can make um, you can make it with whatever, you know, we've done peach, we've done blueberry, whatever, you know. Uh, so you put it back in the refrigerator that second time with the fruit, with the fruit and yes. it'll still yes. ferment slightly, yes. just yes. slowly? Yes. Wow. And that was actually, there was an article online about that. Um, a friend had sent me, that actually came from the New York Times, I guess. Uh, um, so we, he was doing that secondary fermentation. We played around with My wife really likes that. She doesn't oh, like I this, it's this straight stuff. But I just have a taste for this this stuff in the morning. It's just, you know. Yeah, that's delicious. The other thing about this is um, it is very satisfying um, from a hunger standpoint. If you've got the munchies or you're hungry, um, mm-hmm. if you eat a, a little piece of fruit and drink um, you know, a, a cup of this kefir, it carries you for always it really does and i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff about it um and i don't know exactly what what it's all what it's all made you know how what 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 it's fermented to you know there's got to be some of the proteins got to be broken down to peptides um that we know that it's anti-inflammatory we know that there's antibacterial properties here we know we know there's a lot of things about it but Mm -hmm. the other cool thing is it's just there's a lot of mystery too yeah (laughs) that's cool (laughs) So with the going back to the A1 and A2, when it ferments, does that do anything? Like you mentioned, maybe yeah. it, it does break down the proteins. Well, that's a great question. So I don't know. So that would be another test that a person who uh, is dairy intolerant, I would really encourage you to, to make some kefir and try kefir. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just uh, think there'd be a lot of people that are dairy intolerant that would really tolerate they kefir. Into it. Yeah. I have a, a friend, um, and he was actually diagnosed with Crohn's disease, uh, which is a chronic inflammatory diarrhea. Um, and he was scheduled to go to Rochester and have part of his uh, colon removed. And, and, oh, guys. And, uh, that process. Yeah. And, and um, he went to drinking kefir. And he canceled the surgery. And he's, he's fine. Wow, that's why he's changing. fine. He just drinks kefir. And, <laughs> oh, and, so and, his, and his signs and his signs have gone away. I mean, it's like so. But he'd still use. I'm sure he could still do it. Oh, so yeah. he called. Yeah, he, so you know, um, 
the nurse that we called back to Mayo and, and canceled the surgery, you know, uh, the, the, the nurse was at, was talking to him and he said, well, you may think this is crazy, but I've been drinking kefir and it's, it's, I'm better. And she's like, no, you're not. But the doctor, he didn't like that. He thought, he thought he was still, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, I think, um, it could be beneficial. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. You're I'm welcome. excited to You're get yeah, that going. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's no harm done if you don't like it or whatever. You just drink it, dump it out, whatever. You know. Um, but if you want to pass it on, if you want to propagate it, though, let it go. Let some of it go further out, and you'll get more curdle. You'll get more things faster, more curds faster. Yeah. So drink like maybe like three quarters of it, and then. Yeah. Well, well actually, yeah. In there. I'm, yeah. Well, I just keep I, the grains. To though, me, right? the you fork is what I usually do. I just pour. It. Okay. I just use it. I just like pour into a glass, and I'll catch the curd in there. Sure. Ah, you know, okay. and I'll just yeah. leave that little bit of milk that's like it's in this jar with the curds. Then I'll just dump fresh Refill milk it. on top. And then that'll. And then just set it on the counter. That's what I did with this yesterday. This, this yesterday, in. this was. Okay. I think this is not even 24 hours that this has been, and I shut it down. I put it in the fridge yesterday afternoon because I didn't want it to go too far, you know. But um, you know this stuff. Oh, it's crazy that you can do it on like a daily basis like that. Right. It's not like yeah. a make yeah. it and like making easy process. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Here, I'll even I for those more, that uh, a little more. This, this, we'll try this one. Once in a while, we do some smoothies in the morning. I can't imagine how. Oh, it would be great in a smoothie. smoothie. I mean, yeah. it'd be great for a smoothie. It just uh, you know the probiotic effect, all of that. You know, it'd be fun to play around with that second ferment too. Yes. Yeah. With yeah. Oh, it, yeah. You can can't use, imagine with maple syrup. Oh, oh my it, goodness. It, and people that you know th that first that aren't used to, to the sourness. It, it's not to me. It's not overly sour, but it I I just like, or like the smell you get off of like plain yogurt. It kind yeah. of yeah. Yep. It kind of depends how sensitive you are to sour and sugar and you know. I don't know. Taste has changed for me over time. I used mm. to just like really really sweet and the smell now like I what the scoby smells like. And oh yeah. It, to me, like in the. It will have a bread-like smell to it at times. There, there, there are yeah. yeast in it, so yeah. it's not just that's, bacteria. That's it's also it yeast. Yeah. Um, this one tastes a little creamier, less less carbonated than the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And part of that is because it's sitting open. You know, I think I had that one sealed, the other okay. one, and it was. You know, it works actually when you open it in the fridge. It, you'll hear that. You know, because it's actually releasing some CO2. Yeah. yeah. Is it uh, something that you need to periodically? Uh, release that pressure a little bit? Uh, it pretty much is self-limiting, but I okay. think it's probably a good idea to release it. I mean, I've had some where it's like too long, where you leave it in too long and you open it, what happens then, it'll be it'll almost like um, like a beer that shook up or whatever, they'll actually fizz over, you know? Mm -hmm. That'd be interesting. You know, <laughs> yeah, so, but I've never had sure. one explode, so. Okay, there you that's go. good. Yeah. We're safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. But. I just made a, a fermented hot sauce. Yeah, so we'll have to play around with some oh, fermented milk now. Yeah. But Good these milk. guys are just waking up, and actually, if you want more green, I'll give you these, too, you know. Um. So where did the grains originate? It just, like you said, with that well, story, like this, like this it just is, must have been some bacteria that got into... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great own. question. So there was even, um, somebody told me once that it was some, that, you know, the whole story about manna and the Bible was really key for, you know, it's like, I don't know, but... Huh. Um, so, <laughs> but it, it, it goes way back, and, you know, and the cool thing is you get it from other people. And so, like, this one was a little one that broke off from the mm -hmm. big, you know, and it'll, it'll make a big one, mm. you know, over time. But like this little jar, these guys aren't really going too much yet. But what, when they start to go, that'll get bubbly. I mean, you'll see, you'll see the, the bubbles. Okay. The CO2 be coming off of it that fast. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah. this what you would store on the counter or in the fridge? I'd leave it on the counter. No. On the counter. Uh, we're, okay. we're waking it up. I brought it. It's been out since yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And, but uh, if it if you weren't waking them up you could just kind of keep them dormant in right. the fridge say right. if you were going to see somebody in a week or something i keep ex i always keep one extra jar in case i lose my jar you know oh, and cool. so i can go back and start it if i if some disaster happened or somebody stole it or whatever i don't know but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Funny. but but i've done this before where you take and wake these up you know and, and um yeah I mean, once in a while, I, I think I had one I left in for over a year, and it was it smelled bad. I was like, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I had to take that out and just dump it in the woods. That was that go. was not good. <laughs> <laughs> just the old the old sniff test. I think That's so. All it takes. I think so. Yeah, yeah. But I think uh, to me, 
this could be a, a, a big thing as far as dairy with people is just um, making kefir. Um, it's changed it for me. I was not drinking much milk as uh, you know in the last few years, and and I used to. I mean, as a teenager, I used to drink a huge amount of milk, um, but. I'm I'm pretty much regular with kefir now every day. I just I love the, I love the kefir. Yeah, you know? and you don't go through the volume of milk, but as you still, mm -hmm. I think you get a lot of the goodness. And sure. it, I can definitely tell the digestion uh, difference. You really, it really it helps your digestion. That would, that would be worth it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I just um, doing a little research prior to coming down here, and um, it was from Precision Nutrition, and it was just a little. They basically kind of summarized dairy in um, like a little chart. And on this left side, it said, you know, eat the most of this, like three or more servings per day, all the way down to like ice cream, you know, use sparingly type right. thing. Right. And uh, the far left side was kefir. It was kefir, then yogurt, and okay. then like aged cheeses okay. in terms of like. Okay. Uh, you could do best. it pretty often. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. They really recommended uh, consuming a lot of it. So, yeah. yeah. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Awesome. This is this is great. Yeah, and like I say, I travel a lot. And I love to take. I just take it along with me. That's so easy that you can just, just uh, throw it in your awesome. coffee yeah, and like that. Yeah, and they're just you know they're kind of rubbery, but they're good. Hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's neat. <laughs> Once in a while, you when you're sift, sieving them, you miss one or whatever, and you get it. There you go. Extra treat. Cool. Well, do you have any other um, thoughts on like? Down the road, um, do you foresee uh, Organic Valley going with an A2 line or? Yeah, so along that line, we are definitely watching that market. Um, like I said, you know, the first to market usually gets the, the benefit. And it's not in the cards right now uh, just because, well, we are in a downturn anyways. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a lot of a lot of challenges. And it may, our biggest challenge is we have too much skim milk. Okay. Uh, that's our biggest challenge right now. Um, so, you know, our farmers, there are some farmers that would wish we were doing it right now. There's farmers that I think are pretty close or are already there with their cows being all A2. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not ready to um, make that segregation and, and uh, start packaging A2 milk right at this moment. Uh, well, that could change. We could get the word, you know, next week, next sure. month, uh, and it, we could just go find out what you got. And, you know, I know we've had inquiries at the high level that um, people have wanted to buy organic Valley A2 milk. Wow. So, you know, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so with that uh, excess skim mm -hmm. i mean are there other mm -hmm. things that can be done like yeah up the kefir production with that or i don't know the tie-in with the kefir so much because i actually i prefer the whole milk i mean you can do the skim milk kefir i did it for a while i ran a separate line for my wife and um and i didn't like it as well but she liked it um so that might be a possibility i don't know that it'll really take off um i, I hate to miss out on the benefit of the good fats Right, I agree. You know, the omega-3s yeah. and the CLAs, yeah. you're yeah. just not going to get them, you know. Um, so I think there's a real reason to not go too much that way. But, you know, skim milk powder, it seems to me that we should do um, a way of, of, of making that um, kind of a convenience type, um, almost like a, like a backpacking type. Uh, I know I had some, some people that bought a 50-pound bag of, of dried skim, uh, dried non-fat dry milk, and they used it in, when they were hiking and stuff like that. You know, they put it in dishes. And um, somebody mentioned the other day, we were just brainstorming, uh, why not hot chocolate? To me, that, that would yeah. be do sure. a really heavy uh, skim milk powder hot chocolate um, and have it in a pouch or whatever yeah. or a jar and uh, to me that could be uh, be a very stable way to have it and and it, you know just add hot water yeah. and right. uh, you know make it make enough protein in it that it would be creamy without even adding fat i think that might be a, a way to get, right. get sure it be delicious too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah huh so yeah i think um, that's what we need to do we need to do so we're, on the other side we're working on getting our cows to make more fat Sure. And we're actually yeah. getting, you know, if you feed the cows more fiber, you get higher butterfat content. And nice. if you milk the jerseys, the brown cows, or, or even if you milk, there's bulls differences in, in how much fat they produce, mm -hmm. percentages. The cows, uh, the bulls that make the cows that make the highest fat levels don't make the most milk. And so in the past, we've all been incentivized to make more milk. Mm -hmm. And we have too much milk now. So what we got to do is 
back off the volume and make the components higher, make the butter fat and the protein higher. Yes. Quality, that's, that's where we're at. Quality over quantity. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And that's kind of what the grass milk program does. The grass milk program is a, you know, those cows don't make nearly as much milk, but that's right. a, that's a really good, high quality product. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. 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 Cool. What do you have any other uh, recommendations since the last time we talked? I know you, you had some awesome book recommendations and well, uh, you know, I I, um, I go back and reread a lot of the books over and over. The ones uh, um, my wife just like you keep reading that book, but it's like there's so many things that keep coming up again and again. You know, so. Um, <laughs> The fellow that wrote the uh, um, uh, "Let It Go," mm-hmm. yeah, uh, what was his name? Richards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember. Anyways, yeah. Um, letting go, uh, and uh, he he's a, was a psychiatrist. I think he's gone now, but um, he's got a series of books, and one of those books is really dense. I'm, I've been reading that one a lot. But um, Deepak Chopra, people know mm-hmm. him, or Deepak. Yeah. How do you say his name? Deepak. Deepak yeah. Chopra. Um, I came across one of his books, and it was an older book because I was in a used bookstore in, a, mm-hmm. in Portland, and um, it was um, "How to Know God" was the name of the book, hmm. and that just caught my uh, my eye. That was kind of a, a interesting title, um, and it was a very good book. Uh, that was probably the one book that I read this in the last six months that you know um, I'd highly recommend, even if you don't are a non-believer. Uh, it, it was addressed to both agnostic mm-hmm. believers, mm-hmm. agnostics, atheists, um, and he has the interesting thing is uh, he has a lot of the Eastern tradition in there too. He has a lot of Hindu and Buddhist, um, and a lot of Christian too. So, um, great book, great book um, on how to know God. I, I agree. Think. I listened to that on audio. Audio. Did you? Book, actually, Did you? Too. Oh, yeah. okay. I, okay. I so you've heard good. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, to me, you know, it comes back to the most important thing is spiritual, um, and it gets easier to say that. I mean, it, it, people are get uncomfortable because of the associations with dogma, the associations, <laughs> you know, with religion, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's really not about that. It's 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 just about the spiritual nature of people, and that we are spiritual creatures. And I think we have to, you know, we live on this on this. Um, this material level and all this, but so much of our life is affected by the spiritual level, and so mm-hmm. I think that's just becoming aware of that is is very helpful. Sure, yeah. cool, yeah, nice, yeah. awesome. Well, do you have any all right, else? all right. Cool. Well, you guys have a great great day. Um, before you go, I would like to give you some milk too. Um, so you got some oh. milk to work with with that. There cool. you go. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm ready yeah. to go. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. So. I can't wait to see the look I get when I get home. And say, I'm going to start fermenting thing on the things on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> that will be interesting. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for checking out this episode of Clinically Pressed. Go to clinicallypressed.com for full show notes and links to everything that we covered in this episode. While you're there, you'll have full access to all our episodes, insights, and shorts. You can find Clinically Pressed on YouTube or any podcast outlet that you use. If you could give us a rating, thumbs up, or a review on how we're doing, we would greatly appreciate it and heard it helps out quite a bit. To get more free content delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the Total Athletic Therapy newsletter at totalathletictherapy.com or clinicallypressed.com. You'll get direct links to all the new Clinically Pressed episodes, reviews on some of the latest research in health and performance, and links to related podcasts and other items meant to help you make the complicated, simple, and optimized performance. Thank you for listening, and see you next episode.